walk-in traffic as a salesperson, walk-in traffic is the icing on the cake. I am not going to base my personal business plan. And if you're a salesperson, you should have a business plan for yourself. I'm not going to base my business plan around what I don't have control over. You don't have control as a salesperson. You don't have control over the marketing spend. You don't have control over what the demographics were going at. You know, you don't have control over those things, but I do have control over developing relationships with realtors and my current customers and making sure that I do a good enough job and I bring enough value and trust to the table that they feel comfortable lending their reputation because that's really what a referral is, whether it's from a current homeowner, a friend or family or a real estate agent, it's they're lending you their reputation saying, this person does a phenomenal job and this company does a phenomenal job, trust me. and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elkman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. We have a very special episode of Building Perspective today. I was honored to be a guest on Anya Chrysanthemum's new construction marketing podcast and uh, really dove in deep from a salesperson's perspective on the different ways we can generate traffic as the salesperson how much of the traffic are we responsible for driving? How much is the builder responsible for driving? And really kind of dive into the three-legged stool of traffic, how to create it, how to generate traffic, different ways that you can generate different traffic sources, different ways that you can create content to create traffic. So really hope you find this really insightful. Uh, maybe if you're a salesperson, hopefully you get some uh, great insights out of this. If you're not a salesperson, maybe you can forward it with your, share it with your sales team and they can get some great insights out of it as well. But uh, really hope you enjoy. It was a blast being on Anya's show. In the show notes, we'll link directly at her podcast so you can check out some of the great content she's putting out as well. And uh, really hope you enjoy. for joining me for another episode of the New Construction Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Anya Christianthon, and I am very excited to introduce my guest for today, Matt Riley. Matt is with Group 2 Advertising. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you, Anya. Very glad to be here. Really appreciate you having me on. Really excited. I think you've been doing a fantastic job with your podcast and, and the video content you create. Anyway, just really excited to be chatting with you today. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on too. It's been uh, a while coming. Um, so you guys, Matt and I know each other through some mutual friends. Obviously, we both attend a lot of um, industry conferences. And um, finally, we had a chance to really get to know each other during the last conference at HomeBuilder Tech. And so I always highlight the person who blew me away at a conference. And so Matt, you were that person during a home builder tech for me because I was just so pleasantly, I mean, it's always, it's always nice when you see somebody on social media and then when you get to meet them in person, you by far exceeded my expectations of the kind of a person you were. So I felt like a genuine connection with you that you're very um, open, willing to share, and um, you also did such a great job inspiring me. So I think after our conversation, I really was like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going into high gear, you know, I'm going to get something done. So it really kind of gave me a kick in the butt um, in a good way. So. Awesome. I'm so well, glad. I'm, I'm incredibly honored that you felt that way and, and super glad that you came away from that conference feeling that way. There were so many phenomenal people that were a part of that uh, and, and contributed to that as well. I love seeing you there and you were, I mean, you were there doing your thing, video and interviewing people. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm a big Gary Vee fan mm -hmm. and I love that, you know, his documentation of, of everything, just document, don't worry about like like putting together film. I just love that you were there 
you know, just talking to people and like, tell me about this and tell me about that. And I, I love what you're doing. So I, I really appreciate you saying those things. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Matt, we usually like to start things off by giving our listeners a little bit of a backstory as to how you got into this wonderful world of new construction. So if you don't mind telling us a little bit about your journey, I know you, we've been through kind of a, a different companies and wore diff many different hats. So yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure like everyone's in this industry, we all came out of school or what, were in school and we just decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be in new construction. Yes. <laughs> from the very beginning. Uh, no, that was not it at all. Um, and so my, my backstory is I was, for years, I was in retail and electronics retail specifically. So that was kind of where my love of tech or nerding out of technology kind of comes from. And, uh, you know, so from there, I, we, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, um, a Southern boy, born and raised. And uh, we, I'm, my wife and I, we got married. And like I said, I was in retail. And then we moved to Indianapolis for this retail job. And uh, I was managing, a, it was CompUSA, if everybody remembers, they're out of business now, but, um, or almost out of business. And so uh, I was managing retail locations and found that it just wasn't a fit anymore for a family wise. We, it was not the way to raise a, raise kids and have a family. Hours were crazy. And when we moved to Indianapolis, uh, we had purchased a, a spec home, a brand new home from Pulte. And uh, I literally was like, I want to do it. I want to change. I want to change careers and paths. I don't want I don't know what I want to do yet, but we literally looked at that and said, you know what? That looked fun. Like the, the salesperson's perspective. I was like, that looked fun. And so I just went and started looking for builders and interviewing with builders. I interviewed with a few builders and um, I, the one in particular that I interviewed with, they're no longer around, but um, they're the people are all spread out all over the country that own building companies now that are run home building companies that we're all part of this core group. And the company is called CP Morgan. And we did at the, at our peak, we did about 3000 homes a year um, between Indianapolis and the Charlotte and Greensboro markets. And so I started there. I remember being uh, interview in the interview process. There was a big group interview, and I'd never sold a house before in my life. And I remember there were so many people with experience that were there in this group interview, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to get hired. So I had to go above and beyond, and I was stalking people. This was well before social media. And, uh, you know, so I'm stalking people, sending letters. And I, anyway, long story short, I ended up getting hired there. And so I started off as a salesperson. And uh, I sold in the I sold in the models for I don't know five years or so six years uh, I think I tallied it all up I think I sold around 500 homes uh, in my in my time as a salesperson there in that five to six year period and That's then from there wanted to continue to grow what's that That's a lot of homes in that period of time so it's almost a hundred homes a year. Yeah, it was it, granted that we start, I, you know, I'll kind of say uh, I, I felt like I was good at what I did, but I was also in like the peak of the market, right? So I've got to throw that caveat out there. I mean, this was like 2003 is when I started. So I've been, you know, almost about 17 years now in the industry. And um, so I wanted to grow. And uh, so I started going into sales management and started managing sales, sales teams and from there, obviously, we know what happened in the Great Recession. That company closed down, uh, shockingly enough. And then I spent some time in Huntsville, Alabama, working for a builder there, heading up sales. And then really, in that 2009-2010 era is when I started getting my feet into the marketing side of things, really out of default. Because the market, because again, coming from a technology background, um, the, nobody really understood that but me and I was a hobby of mine. So I loved it. And so really kind of started diving into the marketing, the digital marketing side of things um, because no one else really understood it. And I always loved, and it's one of the things I loved about sales is I always loved the psychology of why people do what they do and why they make the decisions that they want to, or the, the decisions that they make. And that even, that applies even more so to the marketing perspective. And so that's, when I started getting into the marketing side of things and running sales and marketing. Um, and, and a great opportunity presented itself um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is where I live now. 
Um, so I moved to Raleigh and headed up sales and marketing and design there of the vice president of sales and marketing. And we really grew. The company was uh, doing really, really well. They were a 200 unit a year builder doing about 40 to $45 million in volume. And over the course of about five and a half, five, five and a half years, uh, we grew it uh, from 200 a year to 430 a year to about from about 40 million in volume to about 130, 135 million in volume. So, and we did that. And what I, and not the growth is what I'm not as proud of, but of what our team did in such a competitive market. And that was, I think there's 21 or 23 publicly traded home builders in the Raleigh market. We were never going to outspend them and we had to out execute. And so we did that through our online sales and marketing strategies. And so really driving in, driving the force of sales processes, worked with Myers Barnes on the honor. He was our sales, brought him in as our sales trainer um, and really helped shape that process, growing up to two online, full-time online salespeople. Uh, you know, so it was that that's kind of the backstory of me and the different hats that I've kind of wore, but um, most importantly, had unbelievable people that worked with and underneath. So it's just a, a really great, and all three, all three, um, markets, all three companies had some phenomenal, phenomenal opportunities. Yeah, so you kind of wore both hats because you were in the sales role, and yep. now obviously you were a marketer. So, right. but it's great that you've been in the sales role because you really understand what the salespeople go through. And so I think it's very important that the sales and marketing are kind of like married together. And I think that's the age old question, like who should be doing the sales, who should be doing the marketing? Are they together or are they separate? And if they are together, how together are they? Because, you know, there's a big debate of like, well, certainly some salespeople should not be doing marketing because the stuff that they put out, let's face it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not the greatest. Right. Uh, so that's actually a topic that Kimberly Mackey and Quint Lears are going to be tackling at the IBS this year is who should be doing sales, who should be doing marketing. So you guys are getting a little bit of a preview of right. what's to come. Um, so I guess let's talk about that topic. Let's talk about sales versus marketing and for that salesperson sitting in the model home how should they be thinking about their traffic? Um, you know, who's responsible for driving that traffic? Is it their responsibility? Is it the builder's responsibility? So what's your take on that, Matt? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. We get that all the time. And so from my perspective, um, and I, I come from a sales perspective, so everything that I do has that sales mentality, even the marketing side of things. And so for me, we really have it really breaks down from a traffic perspective into three main categories, in my opinion. So you've got walk-in traffic um, and walk-in can be literally, they just drove by, they pulled their car over and walked into your model. That also could be um, online sales, right? So the builders driving traffic, paying advertising sources to drive traffic to the website, convert leads to appointments and sales. So that can fall on walk-in, in my opinion, falls under those two main categories. The, uh, that, that, that bucket, I should say. The other two is referrals and realtors, right? So we've got walk-in traffic, referrals, and realtors. And in my opinion, the builder is most responsible for one of those three parts of traffic. The sales per the builder still has an impact on realtor traffic, you know, they through events and reputation and things like that. But it's really the salespeople that are on the ground every day that have the most impact of how much business they can get from the realtor community because it is no matter what it's still a relationship business and so having i used to say i want to have five I want, I want each of my salespeople to have five realtors that they have a just a good enough relationship with that they can pick up the phone when traffic is like walking traffic is down because we know our business is cyclical right right now we're recording this on uh the 21st of august and my kids are going back to school next week. I don't know about your, your kids start next week as well. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Booting them out the door as fast <laughs> as Break up the line. That's right. That's right. Uh, but, 
you know, so this time of year, it starts to slow down a little bit because people are getting their kids off to school. And then it's going to be, it's going to be an old trough for a couple weeks after because people are getting back into their routines and that kind of thing. However, as a salesperson, if you've got solid real, outside realtor connections and relationships, you can level out. It's like a bell curve, right? It's the, the, the up and down. You can level that out as much as you possibly, a lot better when you have those relations. When you have those five people that you can pick up the phone and say, hey, Anya, uh, this is really, uh, what do you have going on? It's obviously we know it's a slower time of the year. What buyers do you, are you working with that you could put me, you know, put them on, put me on your tour that we can talk about, you know, you just have the relationship where you can pick that phone up and just call them and say, can you bring somebody by? Um, and if you have those five people that you can do that with, odds are you will sell two to five homes a year with each one of those people. And if you do the math and you just say, let's just use on the high end and let's just say, well, let's just say middle. So let's just say three. If you can do three transactions with each of those five people, there's the math. There's 15 sales right there. That's that you've leveraged those relationships with, right? And then on the flip side is on the other side, the third part, the third leg of the stool per se is the referrals. Because yes, the builder has a reputation. The builder is going to try to keep, obviously upkeep their reputation, but the salesperson and then through osmosis, the construction team and everybody they come in contact with, they have much more of a significant role in builder reputation and getting referrals than the builder does as a company. And so you asked me what time it was and I told you how to build a watch. Uh, but those are the, it's like a three-legged stool and really um, the salespeople person and my responsibility has the has um, a responsibility to drive two of the three parts of that traffic. That doesn't mean that the builder doesn't also play a factor in those. Um, but if you, if you take ownership of it yourself and say, walk in traffic as a salesperson, walk in traffic is the icing on the cake. I am not going to base my personal business plan. And if you're a salesperson, you should have a business plan for yourself. I'm not going to base my business plan around what I don't have control over. You don't have control as a salesperson. You don't have control over the marketing spend. You don't have control over what the demographics were going at. You know, you don't have control over those things, but I do have control over developing relationships with realtors and my current customers and making sure that I do a good enough job and I bring enough value and trust to the table that they feel comfortable lending their reputation because that's really what a referral is, whether it's from a current homeowner, a friend or family, or a real estate agent, it's they're lending you their reputation saying, this person does a phenomenal job and this company does a phenomenal job, trust me. And so anyway, that's, that's what I think from a traffic breakdown. All right, so let's attack each one. So let me ask, let's start with realtors. Um, you know, in my area, so I'm outside of Philadelphia, I am seeing a trend and let me know if, if you're seeing similar trends in North Carolina, um, that builders, especially big national builders are starting to scale back on what they pay realtors. Mm. So it started off, you know, at 3%. Now I'm seeing a lot of um, builders paying 2% or in some cases there even went to a flat fee that's not even a 2% when you calculate the, the overall yeah. um, fee. So I think I know the answer to that, but what is your take on that and what would you recommend to the builders who are kind of like considering this dilemma, is it worth paying the realtors the, the full 3% fee? Um, or should we follow the lead of other builders of the 2%? Does it really matter? So what have you seen in your area? Yeah, so, um, you know, each local market is different and what the, how they pay real estate agents. I work with in group two, we work with builders all across the country you know, got about 80 different builder client partners um, in multiple markets all across the United States. And that really varies. Like whether you pay a buyer's agent gets 3% or 2% or 2.5% or 4%, whatever that, that standardization is, that varies from market to market. Um, 
So that is the part. So in, in specifically as a builder in the Raleigh market, um, you know, the buying agent on the, on the resale side of things typically gets about 2.4%. Um, and that's what is the going rate. That's a whole different conversation about commissions and percentages and what the, what that real actually means, <laughs> whether that's a monopolization or not. But um, the going rate in our area is for a, for a list for a buying agent is about 2.4%. So most builders in the Raleigh market pay anywhere between two and a half to three percent commission to the buying agent. Now, that can vary. And the reason I say it varies, obviously, each market has a different going rate for buying it for buyer agents. And I'm a broker, uh, you know, so I, I've been a broker for a long time in multiple states. So I, I you know, I get all of that too. Uh, but this is where the strategy of the builder and the type of relationships that they want to have with the realtor community is really whatever their particular strategy is. My standpoint is I want to pay, I, I want to be very friendly with the realtor community. That's my personal belief. If I had a home building company today that was Matt Riley Homes, I would be very, very friendly and, uh, and pay. And I did this even at my other companies, at our other companies, was probably paid realtors on some deals that we shouldn't have paid, that they shouldn't have gotten a commission on. But in the end, we had a solid reputation of being friendly with the real estate community. And there are, no matter what anybody says, there is that, there is, there is that inner office chatter in realtor offices about be right. careful when you go to take a client to this builder because they will try to cut you out of that deal. And it can happen. And so I was much more concerned about that overall brand management than I was about worried about that one or maybe that half a dozen deals a year that I was going to pay a realtor on it that shouldn't have probably been paid. Um, and so because of that, we had a really hot realtor co-op. Now the Raleigh market was also, or is also a big reload market. So, you know, you could see, it would be nothing to see a 60 to 75% realtor co-op for a builder on a builder market. But I also believe that, you know, what is it? I think that I don't know the number this year. I think it's like 83, it's in the 80% range of, realtors that are on every transaction do you know that i don't know that number offhand is it's in the mid eight like across the market there's like 85 percent of all transactions happen with a real estate agent i feel like as a builder if you want to be at 20 if you don't want to be more than 20 percent realtor co-op you've got a really big disconnect mm -hmm. um i like to be close to where the market is but that's where we start implementing like um online salespeople. Because if I have an online salesperson that's sole job is to engage with leads and phone calls and people, then a lot of times I can take that buyer out of the market before they engage with a realtor. And I don't ever have to have the conversation of saying, well, this person shouldn't be paid. So I'm going to pay a realtor when they come in and I'm going to, I'm going to have events and I'm going to be outwardly reaching to them and inviting them in. But I'm also going to put some things in place to where if I can grab that buyer and pull them off the street before they, they, you know, the sale gets more expensive um, with paying commissions, then I'm going to do that. So we were able to, when we did that, we had, you know, we went from one person to two people and we saw a little bit of a reduction in our realtor co-op, but, but it was a good thing. It was because we were grabbing incremental business um, and we were paying less and less realtors that necessarily wouldn't have been, that would have been involved in the transaction otherwise. Okay. So here's a question for you. Since you've been on the other side of um, the transaction and you sold homes, you know, um, sometimes you do have people coming in and saying, hey, listen, I am working with a realtor, but I'm willing to forego my realtor in this transaction, go directly with you. What can you do for me? So what is, in your opinion, kind of like the best way to address that? Because on one hand, you don't want to upset the, that realtor, right? Because if they find out that, hey, the client came to them and say that realtor put in a year worth of work, getting that client to the, into the position where they're now able to actually move forward and buy that house, and this client is willing to ditch the realtor to save a few bucks, and if the builder says yes to that, what kind of reputation it's going to give to the builder on one hand? On the other hand, it's like, uh, I didn't like, right. I didn't yep. hear and sure. Like, you know, we, we want to make the deal work for you and we're willing to, to do this. So I guess what is a good, um, talk track or maybe what, you know, in your opinion, 
how do we handle those questions when the customer comes in and says, hey, do you guys pay realtors? And if I'm willing to not bring my realtor in, what do I get in return? For me, it's, it's a really simple question. It's a big fat, we don't do business that way. Um, you know, and so I can talk about how you budget realtor commissions and things like that. But when a buyer comes in and says, hey, I'm working with Anya, um, but I'll cut Anya, I'll drop Anya like a bag of potatoes as fast as I can if you'll, if you'll give me a better deal. And the answer is always, for me, it was this really simple no. Well, we don't do business that way. If Anya's your representation, that's great. She should be. And, uh, you know, our pricing does not factor into whether or not you have a realtor or not. Um, our pricing is our pricing and we don't, and we don't negotiate. And that was the other thing. Like we didn't negotiate pricing. I don't, I don't believe in negotiating pricing. We come up with a fair price and then we put it on the market. That doesn't mean you never run a promo. That doesn't mean you don't run design center options, or that doesn't mean if you're have a spec home that's sitting that you can't sell, that was a bad lot or whatever, you don't discount it. But from a, from a normal like pre-sale perspective, we don't negotiate. And we do the same thing with realtor commissions. We don't negotiate that. Um, I would highly recommend that whatever you do, uh, you, you budget for your realtor commissions in your, in, in when you're up front, when you're factoring in the neighborhood. And so I would always know I'm paying 5% commission off of every single one of these houses, um, no matter what. And it, whether they have a buyer's agent or they don't have a buyer's agent, and if they don't have a buyer's agent, then I take that money and it goes to the house. Um, if they do, then I'm, it's a wash. I'm, I'm fat, I'm, I've budgeted for that expense. It's more like a marketing expense than it is a P&L expense. Um, and so that, that's how I would recommend it. And I, I, to me, it's a really easy no. I would not recommend doing business because the minute that realtor gets cut out of that deal, they go right back to their office and that inner office chatter happens. And it's like, hey, no matter if the customer did it or not, the builder is going to get the reputation of cutting realtors out of the deal. And we, as a builder, builders, we say we, we need the realtors less when the market is booming. But when the market corrects, and it will correct, we will be in, it won't be, you know, there, I doubt it's going to be a recession like we saw in 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, but there will be a correction. And you can't play this game of, and my, this is, again, one man's opinion, you can't play the game of, we need realtors now, we don't need them now. We need realtors now, we don't need them now, because then they're not going to want to work with you. Yes, I 100% agree with you, and I think that's a really good stance to have. Because the minute we, you waver on it, um, then the, the customer, you know, gets a feeling that, oh, I probably could get a better deal, cuts their realtor out, and yeah, forget about it. The, yeah. the word in the, it, in the office travels very quickly. So I've personally witnessed uh, people talking about certain builders, and, you know, it would make me think twice about bringing my clients to that particular builder because of the reputation and then build. So reputation is so important. Absolutely. So, love that. Um, and then let's talk about building relationships with the realtor. So obviously you've, you've been there, done that. So if, you know, if I'm starting maybe a brand new community in the area that I haven't sold in before, how do I go? What's the best way to build those relationships with the, with, uh, the realtor community? Do you have kind of like best tips? Um, you know, do I, find out who's doing the most volume. Do I go to the offices? There's so many different ways that you can attack this. So what would be your recommendation? Yeah, I mean, I think first it's, it's start, it can start, uh, since we're taking this from a sales perspective, because there's two points of view, or there's two pieces to that. One is the salesperson and the other is the builder from a marketing perspective. But from, as a salesperson, we have to get really micro. And so that's if, I, if I'm going into a new area that I've not built in before or I've not built in there for a long time, I've had a big gap, um, a first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get into the local MLS and I'm going to start pulling transactions. And I'm going to see who's doing business where by zip code and all that good stuff. Um, and a lot of times, especially in today, when you get into the bigger markets, you'll see on the buying transaction side, you'll see a lot of teams uh, you know, so it's going to typically be the one real estate agent that all goes under. You're going to see a ton of transactions, but then you have to go even more granular and figure out who's the buyer's agents on those teams. And then I'm going to start going out and formulating those relationships. You know, I'm going to start as the salesperson by finding them on social media. 
I'm going to find them on Facebook and I'm going to friend request them. And then I'm going to send them a direct message and just gonna be like, Hey, th would love to connect. Just really super social. Um, I'm not getting too stalky at this point, right? Like I'm not, no one likes to get the request followed up by, can we have lunch? I want to pitch you about an idea. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to start that early and then start building that network. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to start popping into offices and, uh, and then I'm going to start working on doing the old fashioned office presentation, right? Getting in there and talking to the group. The whole point about doing that office presentation is to get in front of a bunch of people. And then after the fact, you get these micro one-on-one -on -one conversations and collecting business cards. And then from there, you're following up and having coffee meetings. I like to do coffee because, and not lunch because lunch or breakfast or whatever is really personal. Like you're sitting down eating with someone. And if you don't know them that well, um, you know, it feels kind of awkward, but like meeting at a Starbucks or something like that, you're going to buy them a $5 cup of coffee. You can spend 20 minutes with them or you can spend an hour with them, but generating that personal relationship, I think is, is vital. And then I'm going to start building my email list from there based on this small distribution, or I'm going to build a smaller email distribution list of people that I come in contact with. And then I'm going to keep them up to date on what's happening. The realtors love knowing because they want to be uh, looked at or perceived as the local expert of everything happening in that area. So they love to hear about what's new hap what's new happening in a community that maybe the public doesn't know yet. And so being able to specifically feed that information and drip that information to your local network of people. So then you want to make them look like a hero to their clients. And if they look like a hero and the most knowledgeable person in the area, then you develop that relationship where you're going to get to those five people that you can pick up the phone and call and say, I need a deal. Like, do you have somebody you can bring me? Um, so that's where I would start as a salesperson. Um, and, but as you're building that network of a salesperson on social media, you have to start creating content. You've got to create content online. I think you do a phenomenal job. I've following you on social. You're in your listings. You're talking. Um, you know, you're, you're putting it out there. I think you do a really great job, and it's a really great model for people to look at. Um, you know, whether on, on their listings or their community, things like that. And from a salesperson's perspective, I know it doesn't need to be this big commercialized professional video because that it's too much like a commercial, um, and less authentic. And when you're doing that one-on-one, -on -one, it's a person like you just flip your phone around and you're talking and you're walking through, uh, the dirt, or you're talking about what it's going to look like, or the house is in framing, whatever it may be, but you've got to start, once you're building that network on social, um, you've got to start pushing out content to keep them informed. Um, so that's that side of it. And then as a, from a builder perspective on how do I, get, how do I get my presence known out there? There's some, obviously social media, you get on LinkedIn, you can do some really advanced targeting, by title, by office, you can do geofencing and literally drop pins on realtor offices and for a, just awareness campaigns and things like that. So we could go off into the weeds about the technical side of it, but there's really two parts. And so one is a salesperson and the other is the builder. And uh, it starts with awareness. And uh, from the salesperson's perspective, it starts with personal awareness and personal relationships that will grow into things that are much bigger. Yes, I love that. So when I was with my last builder, I had kind of a full reign of both sales and marketing. So I was very lucky in that sense that I, I got to direct the, the, the marketing dollars where they were spent. And so in my efforts, um, when, I, when I was sent to this new community, um, that's exactly what I did. So I did do geofencing and I specifically targeted realtor offices. There were like huge realtor offices in my yep. area. And that worked really well because I was able to develop those relationships. People were like, oh, I know about this community. I, you know, I see all the time on social media because obviously every time it, it's now they're being fed those ads and they're being targeted. Yeah. And if you guys think about um, getting into a realtor's office, sometimes certain offices are a little bit more difficult to get into than others. So you guys know realtors love nothing more than a free lunch. That's so right. if you're looking for a strategy to get into that office, you know, spark a conversation with that front desk person 
and see, hey, can I bring a lunch for the office? When is your next sales meeting? I would love to you know, have five minutes of your time to talk about my community. And then if you think about the realtor community, most of them have no idea about new construction, the process of even what goes on during a buying process of new construction, unless they've been through that, or unless they came from a background of working with the builder, most of them are absolutely clueless about that process. So I think if you can become that educator, um, especially if you can do, um, you know, maybe like a seminar and network, whatever for the realtor community to educate them on the new construction buying process to show them how easy it is to bring the, um, their buyer into the model home and then virtually the salesperson is going to take over and do all the selling for you so you don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to sell my client on this. The salesperson is going to do all that for you. They're going to educate them. They're going to show them everything. Um, but it helps to know what that process looks like. And especially if you um, can target newer realtors who are just starting out, they're going to be all ears because they're trying to get their business going. Yep. And so you can spark that relationship with the newer, newer person to educate them, to put that time into it. They will become very loyal to you. And it's a win-win because, you know, they bring you a client. Maybe you can offer them a referral for a client who needs to sell their house before they move into your new community. Absolutely. That's a great point. And so the thing to keep in mind, a couple of things, as I mentioned, the new realtor. And absolutely, it's a great way to like, you know, get that kind of shift or shape the relationship early. Um, but you have to keep in, you know, everybody needs to remember that's a very much a long-term approach because remember they're starting their business. So they don't have this network of people that they're just doing business with all the time. So it's easy from a salesperson's perspective. And I encourage you all to think big picture long-term. It's easy to get frustrated, um, with that or disappointed of lack of, um, I'm doing all of this work but I'm not seeing the results. And it's like a lot of times you've been doing it for 90 days. And like these people have not had an opportunity to generate a funnel of prospects yet to bring you. And so you got to think 10, 12 months plus out before that starts to pay off. And so I think, but I think you're absolutely right on. And then what you said about the realtors not knowing new construction, that's actually one of the reasons why they, the, they typically don't default into showing new construction a lot is because they're scared of it and they're scared of it because they're afraid they're going to look stupid in yeah. front of their client. And the clients be like, what the heck you didn't know about this. And they don't do enough of those transactions because when a new realtor comes to their office, if it's Keller Williams or whatever, what's the first thing they're taught. They're taught to look at the MLS yeah. when it, you know, and they're taught about general transactions and the, the basics of what you would do when you buy a used home. And that's how they're trained from the very beginning. And they steer clear most of the time of new construction because they don't know the process, especially if it's a build. A spec home is done. It's a lot easier and it's a lot shorter. They don't have to worry about waiting six to eight months to get paid. Yeah. Um, and uh, But the build process, they have A, they have to wait a long time before they get a commission. Mm -hmm. And think about it as a new realtor, the last thing you want to do is wait eight months before you get a commission check. Um, and, and two, they don't know enough about it. So they're afraid to take their clients there in fear that they're going to look bad. Yes, absolutely. So I was so excited when I switched over to the resale side and my first deal ended up being new construction. I was like, oh, yes, time to shine. So that's right. Absolutely. I got this. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. So let's switch gears now. Let's talk about the third leg of that stool and um, talk about the referral business. So I think that is one thing that most realtors do a nice job of, but not so much the new home sales consultants, right? For whatever reason, as new home sales consultants, I feel like we're not that great at staying in touch with our past customers and nurturing that relationship. For whatever reason, in our minds, it's like, okay, I am in this community, they bought the house from me, great, and then once they bought, you know, I, I, that's it. 
they're never hearing from me again. So let's talk about this and how we can really turn that around because referrals can be a huge, huge source of business for you. And even if it's not in this community, in the next community or community after that, again, your reputation will follow you. And what can we do to drive that referral business? Yeah, and so there's yeah, to me it's really kind of simple, and it's, sometimes it's so simple it's it's easy to it's so easy it's simple to not do or however that saying goes right. It's easy, so easy it's easy to miss it. But I say, how about you just go walk through your neighborhood, right? Like there's people that live in there. Walk through your community, say hi to people. You sold these folks a house. You what I used to refer, refer to as you moved in together for six to eight months. Um, you know, you spoke to them probably more than you spoke to your spouse, you know, while they were, while they were building their, building their house. And so don't lose sight that you've got that kind of history with them and walk through the community or drive through the neighborhood, obviously, but you can stop and talk to people and just chit chat with them front of mind. Right. And then always ask if you've done a good job, you've earned the right. It's like when we're walking through the sales process when someone comes in, you don't say, hi, I'm Matt, and you are, um, would you like to buy this home today? You've got to earn the right to ask for the sale. And you've, if you've done a good job, you've earned the right to ask for a referral as long as you've stayed in touch with them. And so go through your community, spend time in your neighborhood because people want, you know, even it helps with even pers new prospective clients that are walking in when you know, you're like, oh yeah, John down the road, he does blah, 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 you know, and you can talk about that and people know like, this is a, a connected community. People know each other. They're friendly. I want to live here. So A, it helps with referrals um, and B, it helps with new prospects understanding that, hey, this is a connected community. But when we get into a follow-up perspective, like how do we stay in contact with them? Get a CRM. If your builder doesn't provide a CRM, go buy one yourself. HubSpot provides a free version of a CRM. You know, there's, it's limited in what you can do, um, but you can pay. But get a CRM system and put these different trigger points in place. So when someone comes in, you rate them ABCD, right? If it's an A prospect, you're following up with them, you get them to a sale. Put follow-up procedures in place to happen as you, they go from a prospect to a customer. So now, once they go to a customer, I'm doing weekly touch points with them. And then my CRM is reminding me to do those things. Now, once they've closed, as we're talking about referrals, then I want to put together a follow-up process post-sale. So that way, I don't have to remember to do all these things. Matt bought a house. He, he's now a homeowner. I flip him over to homeowner. And now my CRM starts reminding me, hey, send Matt an email, send, checking in on them. Send Matt a thank you note. Send, oh, it's his birthday. Send him a, this. It's his kids' birthdays, whatever it might be. But those trigger events, because we as salespeople in a model home specifically, our day, once our, the model home's open, our time is no longer our own right? Because you're trying to sell stuff and you're also trying to manage a backlog of prospects and you can't control when people just walk in the door and they need an update or they're mad because the refrigerator that was delivered is wrong or the wall was painted the wrong color or somebody punched a hole in the, you know, poked a hole in the wall and they're freaked out. Not, you know, so all of these fires that happen that you have to put out throughout the day, um, it's easy to lose sight and lose track of the people that you've already sold a house to. But when you look at the conversion percentage and you do the math and you say walk-in traffic converts at say 10%, if you're a really good salesperson, you're converting general walk-in traffic at 10%. If it's coming from my OSC, I'm converting at 20 to 25%. If it's coming from a realtor, I'm probably converting at 30 to 40%. But if it's coming from a referral, I'm probably converting that lead it's 70 to 75%. And you start doing the math and you go, golly, do I, would I rather have more referrals or would I'd rather have Joe Schmo that just turned in because he was driving by and wants a price list. Yeah. And if you guys think about the, the touch points, it's so easy to think about the, what kind of touch points could you do? So maybe the 30 days after the settlement, you know, is it the time for their punch out list? You know, reach out and remind them. Is it 90 days after? Is that another touch point with 
again, catch-ups or whatever needs to happen. One year anniversary, I mean, that's a great one, right? Hey, it's been a year that you've been in your brand new home. And oh, by the way, our warranty program covers your home for a full year. Please be sure to reach out to our service department if you haven't already scheduled your final punch-up. Yeah, so absolutely. those are value-added conversations that you can have so that people feel that you haven't just you know, dropped off off the face of the earth once they moved into the house and you no longer care that you're still keeping those relationships going. And then the great part, like you said, about being connected to your community is that, you know how sometimes you have a prospect walk through the door and they, maybe their situation is very unique, they're different, and they're like, hey, you know, um, I would love to talk to somebody who is maybe like me, who lives in this community, who is maybe either commuting somewhere that's a little bit out of the way, or whatever the situation may be. And so many times I was like, oh my gosh, yes, you know what? I do have somebody that I can just pick up the phone and they'll be happy to talk to you and about their experience of buying in this community, now living in this community and how that's working out for them. And yeah. what better way to convince somebody to buy a house from you than have that customer tell them, right? Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's it's so impactful. And then, like I said, that's why it's important to to make sure that you do it the right way. Do the math. Do the math backwards and be like, it is worth my time to put these all these things in place and to work that referral base and the realtor base. You know, like to to put the time in. You got to put the time in to do it. But it pays off because you're going to get paid, and it's it's literally less work in the long run because the the deals convert at a higher rate. Absolutely. And like yeah. any news about new um, section of the community opening up, maybe tell your friend's family or, hey, guys, I'm moving on to a new community. Um, you know, I will miss being here every single day. But guess what? This is where I'm going. So, again, if you have friends or family and it, you don't have to be salesy when you're asking for these referrals. And again, people always want to help you. Now, let's talk about um, social media and your past clients. So how do you feel about friending your past clients on social media should you friend them while they're going through the, the buying process on social media um, should you wait until after they became a buyer um, you know because that definitely can be a little bit of a tricky situation because I think again if it comes to LinkedIn especially it's more of a acceptable version of social media where you can friend your past clients. And again, yeah. when you're doing those updates about new community, they're automatically seeing those updates. So what's your take on it now? So I think well, there's a couple of things. Um, one, you, you need to be aware of what you're posting. Uh, you know, like if you're, if, if this is a true personal page and you're posting all kinds of craziness, cause I've seen, you know, there's some craziness. I would strongly suggest you not connect with your buyers or anybody professionally. Um, on Facebook. But the other thing to know is if you're selling homes, whether you're a real estate agent, like, you know, in, in general real estate agent or working for a home builder, people will look you up on social media. I don't care. It doesn't matter if you're friending them or not. They're going to look you up because they they want to know what type of person they're about to possibly do business with. Yep. So I don't have a stance on, yes, you should uh, friend your buyers on, on social specifically. I think that I've always taken the stance that that can happen organically based on the relationship. Cause let's face it, we've sold something to somebody before that we were not super fans of and, or they weren't super fans of us. Yeah. And so having them on social media as a friend to let them free reign is a little, you know, that's where you kind of get into it, you know, the sticky part of it, but no matter what, I think you have to be aware of what you're posting, whether you're going to reach out and friend people or not, they're still going to look you up. You still have a digital footprint that you have to be concerned about from a reputation's perspective. And uh, we have to be really cognizant of that. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more, Matt. So I think every time you guys post something on social media, you may think it's private, but chances are it's not private. So number one, check your settings for sure. Um, yeah. You know, you can control it somewhat, but two, most importantly is ask yourself a question. If Mr. and Mrs. Jones or whoever, my buyer that I'm working with right now, sold this on social media, would that change their opinion of me and their perception of me? So if you have right. doubt 
uh, should I or should I not? The answer is probably is you shouldn't. So an audit of your social media, I periodically do of mine, and it's a good way to kind of check it out and see how am I representing myself on social media, and especially knowing boundaries between, for example, LinkedIn or Facebook. That drives me crazy when people post their breakfast on LinkedIn. It's like, dude, you know, I don't want to see that. Like, so uh, Facebook, fine. LinkedIn, no, different platform. So knowing yeah. what kind of content is appropriate for one versus the other is a big one. Yeah, don't post a picture of you coming out of the gym on LinkedIn. No, nobody wants That's to for, that. as the kids call it, the gram. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's for the gram. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for giving so much information to us today. I think you guys, we have so many actionable items that you can follow up on this conversation. Hopefully, you've been taking some notes and now have a plan that you can put into action to increase your referrals and to build stronger relationships with your realtor community. Now, Matt, if somebody wants to connect with you, um, where can they do so? And um, you guys, one other plug for Matt is uh, he does have a wonderful podcast. So if you can tell us a little bit about that as well. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So um, we do have a podcast. Molly Elkman and I co-host a podcast called Building Perspective. And uh, it's all about bringing, well, a different perspective to home building and the different sales and marketing aspects of it, different opinions, different takes, um, and really trying to just be an educational resource, very much so like what you're doing just at a, at a different angle and a, in a kind of a different um, audience really as well. But um, that's, that's what we do there. It's super fun. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on the interwebs. Uh, you can on all the, on the, so on all the socials, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and Instagram as well. You can email me directly at mriley, R-I-L-E-Y at group2.com. Or if you just want to talk, I love talking shop. I love talking about whatever. Um, you know, call me. My cell number is 919-358-9271. Just don't put that online for the scammers. Uh, but <laughs> but I love to talk shop. If you see me at a show, at, at, at a convention, come up and say hi. Um, you know, I love to just help. I love, you know, hearing what other people are going through and maybe maybe some of my experiences in the past can can help help some other people get through some stuff. So, yeah. Great. Thank you. And speaking of shot, speaking of conventions, what's the next thing that you have on your calendar? Um, that's for sure on my calendar is IBS. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as we wind down the year, I'm looking at a few out of industry things for towards the end of the, that are this year. Um, I like to try to diversify a little bit and go outside the industry for some things to help bring some stuff like e-commerce things and then how we scale those into home building. And so I like to pay attention and, and visit about those things. But yeah, IBS, we've got a lot going on in IBS this year and different, different talks, different sessions. We haven't pushed that out yet. But uh, I think as, our, as a group, we've got five or six different talks happening at IBS this year. So um, it, it'll be a lot of fun. Amazing. Well, and you guys, I'll be sure to link up all of Matt's information and uh, definitely check out Group 2's um, page. They're a bunch of cool kids, so I think we fit just perfectly in, and uh, I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to chat. Thank you so much, Anya. Really appreciate having me on, and it's, it's, it was fun. It was fun. Thank That's you, it. and I can't wait to um, hang out at IBS. Mm -hmm.